Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Academic Pediatric Podcast. We are the Journal of the Academic Pediatric Association and the APPD. This podcast is designed to connect you with the editors, the writers, people that are members of our journal community to build a community around um, academic pediatric practice and really improve all of our research, education, clinical, and advocacy practice. Today, we've got another great episode. We've got the Nuts and Bolts team here to tell us a little bit about the Nuts and Bolts section and about feedback and hopefully improving what we're doing with our teaching. I've got members of the Nuts and Bolts editorial team, Terry Turner, John Mann, and Shannon Scott Vernalia. And at this point, I'm going to be turning it over to Dr. Scott Vernalia to interview Drs. Mann and Turner regarding the Nuts and Bolts section, which is our relatively new two-page infographic-style primers on important topics and go into a little bit of detail about the first example in that section on feedback. Thank you so much for doing this, guys. Thanks so much, Mike. Um, It's our pleasure to be here. I thought maybe we'd start out by hearing a little bit about kind of the history of nuts and bolts. And for that, Terry, do you want to just tell us a little bit about this amazing project we've been a part of? Uh, Yes, I'm really excited to, to talk about, you know, where we started. And actually, it came out of the Association of Pediatric Program Directors, a learning community. And and that learning community was um, around faculty and professional development. And we have subgroups. And this one happens to be the educator development. And what happens is we were discussing things around what would be helpful for our faculty. And these were frontline faculty. What are things that we might be able to do to help in their professional development? And we had started talking about faculty development in a box, you know, what what type of workshops we might be able to do. And what happened at that meeting is two people. Uh, One, uh, Shannon, you're here. um, But the other one was Martha Wright, uh, who came up with this concept of, you know, we really need something like a fact sheet or a one pager front and back that would really help us that we could use with our faculty that we could share um, and that that we could develop as a community. So that's really where it started. I, I have to give kudos to both um, Martha and, and Shannon for coming up with this idea. And that's how it, it took off. And Terry, one of the things that was so essential was the concept that we wanted to invite members of the pediatric academic community world to submit these faculty development one-pagers. They actually are two pages, but we thought one-pager. But the idea was really to make it something that just didn't live on a SharePoint site somewhere that no one could find, but to actually do it with the kind of quality that would be deserving of publication in a journal like Academic Pediatrics, and therefore be really available to educators around the world. And as you said, it took a long time aborting, but we were finally able to develop a model that we thought was uh, worthy enough and, and has been adopted by Academic Pediatrics now. I have to say your patience and perseverance in getting this across the finish line has been truly inspirational for me. When we were starting to think about this and wanted to create kind of a um, a first path, like the prototype for nuts and bolts, we decided to choose feedback. And I would love to hear from you about like kind of thinking about why feedback matters to that frontline clinical educator that you talked about, Terry. 
I think when we look at, and, and I'm going to pick on the ACGME surveys, I think when we look at our surveys or any type of annual program reviews or when we talk to our trainees, what they will say is they want more feedback. Um, I, I think that's a universal uh, principle. And feedback really is the core to what we do in competency-based uh, education. It's that dialogue that we have as we grow uh, throughout our, our training years. So I think um, that is why it was so important. I, I credit Martha um, for this uh, because really she is the one that started this prototype uh, to say, you know, maybe this is something universal that no matter where you teach, what specialty you are, um, this could be valuable to you. And that was really the idea with having these faculty development nuts and bolts practical. Uh, and Terry Turner gets the blame for nuts and bolts uh, concept. That was Terry's. But the idea was this is practical information. And why should every program director or faculty development leader develop their own model when we can develop evidence informed, if not evidence based models that we all could? implement and use. So so the idea coming out of our learning community was, wow, that would be great if you all developed that uh, and, and we could all use that. And what we found is a number of our colleagues, at least in the pediatric education community, are stepping up with really good ideas for faculty development, nuts and bolts. And adding one more thing to that, uh, that really was a tenant, uh, a core value that that we wanted to do is this is from our community, by our community, for our community. And as a component of that, really looking at these nuts and bolts being developed by a, a, a team of individuals, looking at both junior and mid-career faculty, and that, that's been something we really stress also trying to get people to collaborate across institutions because, you know, that gives us the broadest sense of, of what would work. It really elevates our, our ideas when it's not just coming from one individual, one uh, institution, or one level uh, of scholars. So, I, you know, of all the things, I really like having something that our, our community can contribute to and that can be built upon. Uh, and and beyond that, we wanted it to be an academic product. So we wanted it to be published. Uh, we wanted it to have peer review, and we wanted it to have really useful graphics <clears throat> so that it would be uh, would look good and be used widely. One of the things I've loved about that peer review process we've developed is how collaborative it is and how supportive of the writing teams it is. Um, I think it's great for our listeners to hear a little bit about what happens when somebody does submit a nuts and bolts. So as when someone submits, they'll submit it uh, to either myself or, or to, to John. And through that process, the first thing that it does is it goes to our a team of reviewers. And we do have a, a team of reviewers, so not all of them are on this call, uh, but they will take a, a first pass at that uh, nuts and bolts submission. And really looking at, and, and I like this concept of, it, it's like it's giving it an, an A from the beginning. 
And what are the things that could take it to an A plus? Um, are there different pictographs? Are there a different way that you might frame this? And depending on that feedback, uh, that feedback can be given to the the um, the, the authors via a written form, or if there's more to it, or the authors would like a telephone call with this. I, I don't know too many um, editors or reviewers who are willing to do phone calls, uh, but that's really something important for us because it's a way, it's oftentimes a more, not only more efficient, but it's a better way to get across what we're, we're trying to uh, accomplish, which again, we all have the same mission, which is to, to um, make something that's relevant for our clinician teachers. John, I, if we go back to this first um, nuts and bolts that got published on feedback, I wonder if we could think a little bit about some of the key messages. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like what makes for effective feedback that we kind of focused on in that first nuts and bolts? Certainly, Shannon. And, and certainly you know, part of the, the conceptual framework here is that uh, feedback uh, needs to have some intentionality and thoughtfulness to it. And we really advocate having a method for feedback. So before we get into even the principles, I think conceptually, the faculty member, the educator needs to have a format of how they're going to do the feedback or otherwise they stumble. They don't know how to start. They're not sure they're saying the right thing. So part of our conceptual framework for feedback is let's have some methods that once you learn the method, then it's a question of being good at it. And certainly we espouse in this primer, in this nuts and bolts uh, feedback uh, document the idea that feedback should be very related to observed behaviors as much as possible, be very specific, be very timely, and be given in a sense of being developmental, trying to help the individual be more effective. And in that regard, which actual template that you choose depends on on some of the uh, relevant circumstances, but the idea is that all of the feedback should be objective, based, timely, relevant to uh, the individual getting the feedback, and it should be delivered in a way that comes across as helpful, supportive, uh, and developmental in tone. I would add to that, John, something that feedback isn't, and I think this is really important and perhaps something I've lost sight of as a, as a pro professional development or as an educator is, is that feedback isn't telling. Um, in other words, if you know, we have all of this work around feedback and if feedback, uh, if telling someone what they needed to do differently worked, um, I would say I, I, in my household, the toilet seats would all be down and I wouldn't fall in in the middle of the night. But because feedback is more than telling, it, it's a dialogue. I, I think what we've come across is, you know, you hear a lot about the feedback sandwich, you know, and, and what happens is you tell them something good and, and then there's um, the but. Uh, and they're waiting for that, but uh, of what's going to, you know, correcting. And, and part of this nuts and bolts is really to say, we have new models. We have more effective ways. So uh, we'll get into some of those. But one of those that I use in my own household is to say, 
thank you. I noticed the toilet seat was down and that is very helpful for me in the middle of the night. So it's, it's not just giving them feedback on things that they do wrong. It's catching them when they do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think uh, we, we have in, in our primer, in the nuts and bolts primer, we recognize that <clears throat> there are different templates or different methods of giving feedback, but to root it in sort of the appropriate uh, environment, Terry, it needs to be seen as a dialogue. You know, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm giving you suggestions. And my goal is for you to understand what we're talking about and to think about how you might use that uh, so that this will be uh, an opportunity for improvement, but very much in a conversation dialogue manner. We did include, as one of the three methods, microfeedback. And, and I use microfeedback all the time when I'm with our fellows because, you know, you have one minute and I want to tell the fellow what she did right. And we don't need a big, long dialogue about it. Maybe we do, but, but I want to tell you what you did right. So hopefully you get it and you keep doing it. Or I want to tell you very briefly something that I think could be done better. And then if that makes sense and we have and, and you want more discussion, we have time for that. But but I think there is a time and place for microfeedback. But even microfeedback should be seen as an opportunity to dive into the issue and topic deeper if that is what is uh, valued and necessary. And I think you both are also hitting on another important part point that we had in this nuts and bolts, which is also about limited quantity, right? For a faculty member who's new to giving feedback or nervous about giving feedback, sometimes you can feel like you need to give feedback on every single part of what the learner has just presented or discussed. And in fact, um, the cognitive load of too much feedback, I think is an important part for faculty to recognize as well. And, you know, yet to go back to what Terry said, everyone, whether it's medical student, resident, fellow, or even faculty member says, I don't get enough feedback and I don't get good quality feedback. So when you think about simple things like microfeedback or the ask, tell, ask method, uh, what, what we really ask our faculty to do is every day you're with the trainee with, for example, in pediatric nephrology with that fellow, give them microfeedback at least once. It takes a minute. And, you know, at the end of the week, they've gotten feedback every day and they are like, wow, I'm getting so much more feedback now. And and yet it's so simple. And when you have a template, when you have sort of a, a way to do it, then the issue becomes, what am I going to say? Not how am I going to say it as an educator? No, I, I think I build up on that, too, from the concept of, um, as we've talked about feedback being a dialogue, it also requires trust. And the fact that our, our learners need to have trust in us, that when we give that feedback, that we're there to help them get better. So with that microfeedback, thinking about giving the, the microfeedback on the things that they're doing well, four times to one, at least initially, when you're with a, a trainee. So if you've got them for the week, you know, using the first couple of days to, to identify all the things that they're doing well, it, it helps that dialogue. Um, when you begin to, to identify one thing they might do better. And I think important for us to remind everyone that that needs to be just as specific and direct, based on direct observation as corrective feedback, right? Like when I can say, when you said this to the patient, I saw their face relax is very different than you did a great job with that patient. I don't know what to do again in the future if it's not specific and based on your direct observation. So I love that you both were talking about positive feedback awesome. 
One other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about was um, how to maybe use these nuts and bolts in a broader um, setting. We've talked a lot in our group of editorial team about how one might use the nuts and bolts. You know, maybe it's sent out in a newsletter or maybe it's left as a leave behind if you're giving a short um, presentation in a faculty meeting. John, I was curious if you could share with our listeners a little bit about how you've used this feedback nuts and bolts um, yourself. Yes. And just as, as you said, Shannon, I think there's, uh, we hope many ways these can be used. And one of the ways that I found the feedback session to be uh, particularly, uh, the feedback primer to be particularly useful is the number one faculty development topic that I'm asked to give our faculty, Terry, is about feedback. Right. And, and, you know, if I was any good at teaching about feedback, they wouldn't keep asking me to teach about feedback. But now, comment on <laughs> always trying to get better. But now I actually send them the primer ahead of time, Shannon. And, and the presentation is based on the primer. So now in 15 minutes, we cover these important concepts about specific based on objective uh, observation being um, uh, you know, focused on improvement. And now we can actually get to how to give feedback and actually practice it in uh, simulation kinds of settings. And uh, what I find is we get a lot more trust and comfort in giving feedback at the end of that hour when we don't have to spend an hour talking about what feedback is and, and what are the feedback principles. So this primer has really... I would say accelerated the value of the feedback workshops. And, and for me now, when I do a faculty development session around feedback, the kernel is me developing realistic cases that they can then practice in, in with their peers rather than delivering all of this content because the content's there. And then nicely, they get to keep that primer, right? I, you know, I email it out to all the attendees. So now they've got this primer to go back to in two months or three months later when uh, they're going to be in a, a teaching setting uh, where, where they really want to remind themselves of the, the feedback methods. So, so that, that's one example that, that we've used. And Terry, I was hoping to ask you about um, the visual to the nuts and bolts, because you spent a lot of time really helping us think about infographics and how to make these um, really visually appealing and easy to read. Well, and I, again, I want to give kudos to, to Mike Pitt, uh, who really gave us that inspiration. Um, and just a little bit about pictographs. It, it's a part of this is how we learn. And, and one of the things that's very helpful in these nuts and bolts is it's not just the words on the page, but there's also a visual cue that can help you remember a little bit about what those words on the, the page are. Uh, I also think it, it, it's really nice. These come from the Noun Project. So um, this is a free use. Um, we have a subscription to Noun Project. Um, you know, there's many places out there that, that does pictographs. But one of the things that can do, if you've ever sat in a lecture and you've seen a slide and it's got words and more words and more words, and you're trying to sit there, one, and stay awake, uh, two, to understand what is being said, and three, remember 
what that is. And that's a part of where these pictographs come in. So uh, as we've worked with our uh, authors in, in doing this, is it's really looking at how can you use words and pictures um, to, to really get the information across, um, again, in a visual way so that uh, I'm also big into health literacy. And we know that white space is important. We know that um, you don't want to fill things up because, again, people will get lost and they may not remember anything. So I, I think some of those key things, whether you're giving a lecture uh, whether you're doing uh, a, a one-page nuts and bolts, which we would greatly um, uh, value uh, from our community, uh, or if you're uh, even talking to patients, pictures are important along with your words. And and Shannon, if if I can, you know, do a, a shout out to the remaining members of our editorial team, our nuts and bolts editorial team, of course, you know, uh, led by the incomparable Dr. Terry Turner. Uh, and and also Shannon, but uh, Natalie Berman and Chris Hovland and Jerry Rose and Jerry Rustin are the other members of the team. So our team helps take the author's ideas and concepts, many times mostly text, and really develop that kind of product that Terry's talking about, where to in, to bring in some graphics, how to balance things. We have a template. So for any uh, uh, listeners that are interested in education and faculty development and have an idea about a, a faculty development short or primer that they would like to think about developing, you know, we'll work with uh, authors uh, to get a finished product uh, that will really convey the message and, and be effective. Uh, so that the issue is really bring it to us and we'll help with, with, uh, improving and perfecting it. Uh, we do have the template available so that the authors can sort of start to see uh, how it's going to look as they take their concepts and put it into a nuts and bolts primer model. Terrific. Are there any other last things you'd want to make sure um, listeners know about this particular nuts and bolts or nuts and bolts in general? I think for me that two things, and one is grounding it in the work that we do. So we always start with a patient case and we end with a, a, a case. And I say patient case, it can be a learner. Uh, in this case, uh, for feedback, it starts with a learner and what do you do? And it concludes with a, a concept of uh, how you could follow up on that. So I, I think that's really important. And the second, we really haven't talked about, we, uh, on this particular one, we do give three models. We give microfeedback ask, tell, ask. And that's really important. Uh, oftentimes we focus on the giving of feedback. And I would say that's oftentimes the giving of advice, not necessarily maybe what the learner needs to hear. So that's why I like the ask, tell, ask. Ask them, you know, what do you feel went well? You know, or what would you like feedback on? Um, it's also developing that psychological safety, which is the third model, which focuses, it's called spikes. It's one that has been used um, in other situations, uh, not just in feedback, but the concepts around um, why I like this is spikes starts with, you know, the, the setting up um, that psychological safety. Because if you don't have that, 
none of this feedback will be internalized. You've got to start with the psychological safety. I also like the second stage of spikes, which is reflecting on our preconceived biases. Um, what oftentimes happens is you'll have, a, if you have a learner and you've had them before, you oftentimes remember all the things they, they perhaps didn't do right. And it's really thinking about what are those biases? Did that happen three months ago, a year ago, or was it yesterday? Really, if it happened a year ago, they've grown in and even three months. So I really like, you know, what biases might you have before you go in? Um, Brene Brown talks about, and she is someone I really value for, for feedback, talking about, can you sit across a table um, hand in hand with a learner and have a dialogue? Or are you coming at this with, you're wrong, I'm right, and this is what you need to do. So that's why I, I, I want to make sure we talk a, a little bit about uh, spikes. It's not one that many people use. It's why we included it on here. Um, I think it's really important that as you get better and more comfortable in your feedback that you grow in the models that you do. Yeah, and I'd like to think also the the three methods that we put into this primer. And by the way, these are published in academic pediatrics. So you can, you know, search them in PubMed and download them and please use them with your faculty and with your learners, with your trainees. But I like to think that each one of these methods has its time and place, you know, microfeedbacks when I have a minute, you know, and I want to say something and I want to be appreciative about what you're doing right, as well as offer you constructive comments about what you want to what you could do better. Ask, tell, ask is beautiful for getting some dialogue and, and also for understanding where the learner comes from. Ask, tell, ask can be done in a couple minutes, probably not in 60 seconds. Spikes is that higher stakes feedback, uh, particularly when, when there's something that is concerning uh, where you think it's going to deserve a few more minutes. You know, I like to say spikes is almost always done in a separate room uh, with the doors closed, you know, because, because these are, it's more of that, you know, potentially a difficult uh, or crucial conversation. But ask, tell, ask can be done in, in, in a couple minutes and microfeedback is going to be that, the short burst of feedback. And that's part of what we teach in our workshops using this primer is like, when do you pull one out of your tool belt versus another one? And, and for this kind of case, which one of the three would you utilize uh, and why. So, so again, what I love about having the primer is when I do the workshop, we don't have to spend a lot of time on the methods. We can now start talking about how to apply these methods. And then lastly, each nuts and bolts primer has references uh, that will uh, provide for the faculty an opportunity to dive deeper into the topic. And that was one thing I wanted to be sure we also mentioned to listeners, John, which was that these are not kind of comprehensive reviews of topics. They are sort of the the taste of the topic for that very busy frontline clinical educator. And the series of them together is really meant to kind of be like a mini handbook. And then those who are going to go on to educational leadership or really want to dive into an issue can start with those three references for each one or really kind of dive into the topic um, more broadly. So these are really meant to be quick, hands-on, you know, get a point across and then get on with your busy clinical day um, tools. 
Are there any other things you want to um, add as we wrap up here today? It's been great to talk to both of you. Please consider submitting. Uh, the, the more we have, the more our community grows. Um, if you, you know, if you have questions, please feel free to, to reach out to any of us. We're also happy to, to take calls and, and discuss about these. And lastly, please use them. Otherwise, they're, they're, they're sheet, they're words on a piece of paper. So we really want you to, to use yeah. these. These can be used as residents as teachers. They can be used with your, clin uh, your clinician teachers. If you have friends um, in internal medicine, in other specialties, in other countries, um, please share them because, again, they can be used. Uh, they're, they're very generic and they're not just for pediatrics. And we'd love to hear how people are using them, too. So reach out and tell us how you're using them. Yeah. And to this point, Shannon, we've not been putting out calls for specific topics. We've really been relying on the passion and expertise of the faculty that have a, a, an idea about faculty development and want to put it into this very practical format and provide it. Uh, part of our editorial team's responsibility is to make sure that we're not having duplicates, make sure that these um, uh, fit into uh, sort of what uh, what faculty are likely to uh, value. Uh, so, you know, my view is any uh, thought or idea, uh, we'd love to hear about it and, and we can uh, provide appropriate kind of feedback ourselves uh, in terms of uh, whether this would be something that uh, uh, could be developed into a nuts and bolts. And, and our goal is to get these developed, uh, peer-reviewed, and published. Well, I'm going to jump back in here, guys, and say thank you so much. I really appreciate all your time and expertise on this topic. And I really look forward to hearing about some more of these, these two pagers and learning a lot more practical stuff that we can apply as clinician educators. 